0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of d donuts I am Crowley, the wandering alchemist.
1: And I am Erin, the untamed scribe. Hello. Uh,
0: today's episode is going to be almost exclusively about world building. Yes. Um, I'm super
1: excited. <laughs>
0: before we get into it, um, I want to mention this while everyone's still listening. Before we get to the exclusive part of it. As my phone buzzes and I throw that somewhere where it won't be heard. Um, this month we had more page hits than last month. We also had the most listens to our podcast for a month ever. And the last week and a half or so was about a tenth of our ever total amount of play hits. Play hits? Plays slash hits of Untamed Dice. This month we have all kinds of stuff um, on Thursdays the resources articles are going to have double the number of resources every Thursday. And lucky you guys, there are five Thursdays this month. Yeah! Also, on Wednesdays, I am going to be doing something on the DMs Guild every Wednesday this month. Oh,
1: wow. I haven't
0: released anything for a couple months, but I'm going to be releasing at least four things, and one of those five Wednesdays this month will be updating all the stuff that I already have on there with Print versions. That's awesome. Because I should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> um, so keep your eyes out for that stuff. That includes Volume 2 of Spells of Old from the Draconomicon and the Sphinx Patron preview of um, Paths to Power Volume 2.
1: I saw your Paths to Power the other day. I think I mentioned that. Yes. It was oh, us. I was speaking looking at of that. Paths
0: to Power, thank you everyone who purchased it. it, is a gold level bestseller on the DMs Guild. Is it
1: really? It what? Is. what? And
0: by gold, I meant copper. <laughs> oh. Still mm-hmm.
1: awesome. Still awesome. Yeah, I, you know. I'm with it. I'm with it.
0: <laughs> um, I wish it was gold. Maybe someday.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. Um, that's, that's the best But that's copper, the dream. <laughs> copper was
0: really awesome to see. That's I didn't so think cool. I would have any of those this quickly
1: i was curious how I mean, it's it was been doing. a few months but
0: <laughs> you know it's my first foray so that's really cool yeah. um so paths to power volume 2 will be coming soon and the sphinx preview will definitely be out um this month uh what else do we have our whole patreon page uh for those of you who are already patrons thanks and you've already noticed this um but those of you who are not go to it because it has been completely redone new rewards new goals uh new tidbits into the future and a video introduction by the two of us It's awesome um you probably have also noticed at this point that there is new art on the blog and on soundcloud for the album art that is thanks to zach keys who drew all that stuff for us
1: which he's um, awesome I and he's gonna word. keep drawing more <laughs> stuff
0: um so that's really cool uh, for tonight's episode, we're going to talk about homebrew worlds, which is interesting topic.
1: Yes. <laughs> a, little, a little difficult? It can be a little difficult for some of us. Um, may so... or may not be referring to myself in this <laughs> case.
0: <laughs> so those of you who haven't already tried to make your own campaign world, you can um, kind of get entrenched in, mm, let's call it world builder's disease. Uh Where you kind of try to do all the things. Yes. Yeah. Don't do all the things, people. Um, If you're going to homebrew your own world, there are two ways you can go about it. You can either go big to small or small to big. Um, I've heard people suggest both of them, and I have tried to do both of them myself. I would suggest a hybrid approach. Um, So big to small is you basically, you create the world you have the world you have countries you have regions you have a giant map you have the pantheon the history you have everything but then you don't have specific cities or specific npcs in those cities and you start a campaign
1: kind of need those things you're
0: like you're in a tavern if you go for the cliche (laughs) and who cares about the artifact that's been buried in the tomb of this emperor from this dynasty in this region halfway across the world that you may never come into contact with
1: what's the the bartender's name (laughs) great great that you have
0: all that information been there but it's not gonna be prominent right away so don't get too trapped coming up with all that stuff um working small to big is you know what the tavern looks like you know the name of the tavern you know the innkeeper and the barkeep uh barmaid you know their lives their stories um the leader of the town the shops what you can buy Uh, Maybe a couple surrounding towns, you know, the woods down the street, maybe close by mountain, um, that kind of thing. You know everything in the immediate area, but what's out there? What happens when the uh, the PCs travel Mm -hmm. an hour north? What's there? Um, Small to big really is the better if you're going to do one of the two ways, because then you can come up with stuff as you need it. Uh, The further you get out from the hub the more vague you can be um which is really good because it leaves room for work and as you play the campaign it might not be the same as even you created it when you first thought out um so even if you make things big and you have all that stuff you might rework it as you start playing Mm -hmm. coming up with other ideas um some stuff might still work for you some of it might not uh so the less crazy you go on the big picture the better I like a nice little hybrid form, um, if you've looked at my on stuff on the blog, I have a basic history, um, it's, I mean, it's six pages, give or take, on a document, but it covers everything, um, in the history of Atlazan, so it's not that much, and it's, there's a lot of vague information, and actually a lot of it has to be rewritten, because I created the my own pantheon for Atlazan. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have about 26 gods, um, of a variety of types. Uh, I started that by typing out the gods. What are they? And those aren't all the gods. There are, are probably other gods. There probably will be other gods. Um, but those are the main ones. Mm-hmm. And I have a paragraph on each of those. Um... And I just wanted to make my own Pantheon for that. So that took some time and described a lot. But almost every time I described a new god, I kind of realized I had to change the history a little bit because of the way I was writing them into the history. So be careful when you do that. The more you write, the more you might have to change later. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Things are constantly changing, I feel. Yeah.
0: Um, but at the same time, for Atlason, I have a continent map. A border of the two major countries and a couple key locations i have the gods obviously and i have some key ideas about what's you know say in the major forest of the continent but that's about it um i have a lot of information on a city that one of my groups is playing in and around but um I don't really have any other information, and that's kind of getting made as we go. Right now, they're heading to ruins, and I haven't decided what their ruins are from yet.
1: Okay.
0: Um, obviously, I have a lot to work with that I made the history of on, but I didn't like name all these ruins and draw them up ahead of time. Um, I wasn't even sure they'd be going to ruins, but that's kind of how the campaign worked out. So Good job, that'll, PCs.
1: Yeah, so that'll help
0: define my world. So I have a big, a big set drop to use, but I don't have to go breaking through foundations when my players surprise me.
1: So I have a couple of quick questions as far as world building goes. Right. Quick, quick being maybe in finger quotes, depending on how you answer. <laughs> and
0: for those of you listening, we're going to be talking about her campaign world. Uh, that'll be special for yes. our patrons only. Um, but for now, those of you who are not patrons can gain the benefit of the questions she's asking.
1: So, one of the first questions that I have is where do you personally start when you're world building? Because I know that you've got this... Yeah, I know you've got some... An idea. Yeah, okay.
0: Okay, so we can use the 27 Realms of Existence as an example. Okay. Which, in and of itself, has come out of the past 10 years of my world building. Um,
1: (laughs) I don't have that much. <laughs> well,
0: only in the past year and a half or so have I actually come to get a handle on myself okay. and my world building.
1: Okay. <laughs> Good so, to know. There's hope for me.
0: <laughs> my world building is a multiverse of 27 dimensions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and uh, for you math files out there, 27 is three sets of three. It's three, three times. Three cubed. It's important. It's an important number. But there are only 27 dimensions, and each one has its own rules and laws. So for example, if you listen to Brave New Worlds, um, my sister Erin's character Delilah comes from Wonderland. She comes from one of the 27 realms. In that realm, all the various literary imaginary worlds are real. Wonderland, Oz, Fantasia, those are real places. The awesome. magic of that realm is imagination, and the imagination of the people who created those and their continuing through history has made them real places.
1: Which is so cool. <laughs> um,
0: if you look at the blog and look at some of the other realms, um, I'm basically filling them out with my, the, the ideas I am most passionate about. So there is one that is Metreon, which is a very futuristic a very Mega Man-inspired world that includes robots, androids, cyborgs, um, cybernetic viruses. Uh, there are zombies, but they are robot zombies. And that's not horrifying. There all. are only <laughs> robot zombies, and it's a viral thing. Um, and maybe there are special types that are cyborgs. Maybe that's a weird thing. Uh, there are whole... Ecosystems that are nothing but robotic replicants to what used to live there. Um, but that's all I have on that world is the ideas. Um, once I have the idea, I pretty much go with a map every time I draw a map. I have restrained myself from drawing an entire world map in recent times. Oh,
1: good. That is something <laughs> I used to do. I used to get
0: a piece of poster board and draw a world map. Jeez. I have a couple of them. Somewhere.
1: I'm sure. I have no doubt (laughs) they're Um, around somewhere. But
0: now I just go with a map. Um, And not necessarily a well-detailed map. Um, When I draw a map, I include forests. But if there's wide swaths of plains, there's probably woods in there. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Just not... You know, it's like um, if you looked at South America... You might put the Amazon on the map, Mm -hmm. obviously, but you're not going to put every piece of woodlands in Argentina on the map. Right. Um, you're going to put the Rockies on a map, but that doesn't mean you're going to see Mount Washington Mm -hmm. on the map. Um, it's, there's a scale that goes on there. Um, and I try to do a big map, like Atlas on. I have the continent. I don't have the world, I just have the continent and it's basic layouts, um... But for, say, our Pathfinder campaign, I did a region map because it was more restricted to the region and I wanted to keep the world open. So I try not to go in between. I try to go both. But, yeah, the map, after concept, it's map. Okay. For sure
1: because well that's perfect because it leads me into my next question because i definitely started i had a general idea of a desert campaign which for those of you who have listened in the past you know this Mm -hmm. paying attention (laughs) why thank you for that um and i started to draw my city map so for me it's i have this wonderful city map and i love it and i'm passionate about it But where and how do I go from there as far as what's around it, and how do I expand off of it? Because, you know, I'm at that stage where, oh, I could definitely build a whole world map, but that would be ridiculous. (laughs) Time consuming. (laughs) Yes.
0: Um, So, basically, just, I make a list of, I mean, it's not even really a list, it's a bunch of notes. Mm-hmm. Um. So the things I think about and if you look at various world building uh articles from various writers um big questions include what races are there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you have dwarves, where do the dwarves come from? If you have elves, where do the elves come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're wood elves, there needs to be a forest. Right. Um stuff like that. Um so like where do you build out from the city um where does the city get its food Mm
1: -hmm.
0: where does the city get its resources um if it's a trade city uh who are the major players that it trades with where are they now you don't necessarily have to go there 10 miles north and then bang a left and go 15 (laughs) miles east and
1: past the sacred tree yeah
0: to the north Um, Mm -hmm. this is the city name, this is who it's run by, these are their resources, Mm -hmm. this is their relationship. Um, now, if there's a far off land that you trade with, maybe a little less information. Um, major trading partner, maybe more information. Um, but also, um, building out from the city, what are the dangers to the city? Mm -hmm. What are the dangers on the road? Um... What are the dangers what is the wilderness around the city like? So Boston. Um if you were going from Boston, taking Boston and trying to build a campaign around it, I mean you'd probably immediately talk about um like the North Shore, the Salem Beverly area, mm-hmm. um, and fishing. You would probably talk about Cape Cod and fishing. You would probably talk about New York, and you would maybe, um, that's about it. You'd probably talk about woodlands, and you'd probably even talk about mountains, because there are mountains nearby. Not that anyone really thinks about that, but we do right. have stuff like Mount Washington, Right. and we do, I mean, and they're way, on a D&D scale, they're way to the west, but we have the, um... Appalachian Mountains runs right through Massachusetts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that would be important in d and D setting. But if you're talking on the scale of a start sit, start campaign, um, you might they might not know anything about the Appalachian Mountains other than they're there.
1: Right, they exist. <laughs> right.
0: Um, but by level fifteen, maybe you are delving deep into the Rockies. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um,
1: ooh, level fifteen. <laughs>
0: yeah, the, the further away from your hub, both in space, in space, time, I guess it's just space and time, but space, campaign time, and not campaign time, um, the less you need to worry about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, like, maybe, um, so maybe campaign time, you want to go to the Rockies, and you want to get there at level five. Maybe you do that sooner than you talk about the Appalachians. Maybe you develop that more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, or maybe you develop it at the same as the Appalachians, because the Appalachians are closer. Um, but you got to balance that. So, right. but you want to get more more vague the farther away it is. Um, that's why I um, don't come up with campaign endings at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, th- you have no idea where the campaign is going to end up. Right. Or if it's ever going to get to that point. <laughs> campaign could end tomorrow. No point right in the end of the story yet.
1: Oh, death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, death, my old friend. Uh,
1: was that specifically directed to me? No, <laughs> no, not nah, you, never. Um, some, uh, <laughs> Something that you had mentioned in the beginning of what we were talking about was also, you know, geographical and and what to put in, what not to put in, like, you, you would or would not put these things in, dependent on where <laughs> your campaign setting is. How much research do you do, and do you use that research? Like, if it's a forest setting, like, do you go off of some, like, forest that already exists, or do you play both, or does it depend on the um, campaign?
0: So, it depends on my mood at the moment.
1: Oh, okay. Um, mm.
0: So... I try to start with concepts with mm-hmm. everything I do. So if I'm building a forest, why? Um, is it, am I building the forest because I need a home for the elves? Mm-hmm. Am I building a forest because I need somewhere to access Tirnanog? Um, do I need a forest for lumber? Mm-hmm. Is the forest an adversary of sorts, a, a wilderness patch? um is the forest some combination of those right um so i look at it that way first and i decide how big it's gonna be um the benefit of taking many biology classes at this point is (laughs) i can go okay if it's this big it's not going to have tigers right because a tiger needs a ridiculous amount of space per Mm -hmm. tiger for territory um which was why, in our Pathfinder campaign, the Primordial Forest, that was part of the storyline, but it also allowed me to build this gigantic forest in which I could put things like dinosaurs dinosaurs, or a Jabberwocky.
1: Right.
0: And cross over into the Fey Realm.
1: I made it a possible. gigantic,
0: <laughs> um, very old forest to include those things. Right. Um, so... It really depends. Um, and then, of course, in terms of little stuff, like uh, for Pathfinder, it was a mixed forest mostly. Um, but it was kind of a weird forest. Um, but as you guys got north, there are more pine trees than not because that's what live in the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to put palm trees right in the forest. So, I mean, little stuff like Which that. Which is part of that research is, process. Yeah, yeah, I mean...
1: You don't want to put palm Um, trees where there's no way, no no, chance to survive.
0: But you don't have to make it match real forest, Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to make it match the real workings of a forest. Mm -hmm. So if there's an animal in China that acts the same way a rabbit does here, Mm -hmm. like you can put it next to squirrels in your world and not have rabbits, Mm -hmm. like because they take up the same little niches. Um,
1: okay.
0: Like, if a place has giant tigers,
1: mm-hmm. like,
0: if you want to base it off, um, uh, let's go with the Himalayas. There's not a lot there. You got, like, goats, you got snow leopards. Say you yeah. don't want snow leopards. Well, you need something to act as snow leopards if you're gonna take them out to make it match. So, maybe you have dire wolves, but those hunting packs, so maybe you don't want those. Mm-hmm make something up or bears maybe you want giant cave bears but you want it to be a himalaya style setting
1: mm-hmm.
0: take out the snow leopards at cave bears mm-hmm. cool um
1: i think one of the main things that i remember reading about as far as dm is you have to make it real yeah which is what you're tra- so like it has to be when you're real talking for the character yeah, players. when you're talking
0: nature is there something that keeps that in check right because there is In Mm -hmm. nature, there's always something to keep something in check. Uh, Yellowstone, we hunted all the wolves, and the ecosystem went haywire Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: wolves kept deer in check. Mm -hmm. Um, If nothing is kept in check, things get unbalanced and other things disappear. So um, if you can't answer that question, um, then you write it down and find a way to answer it. Um, but you don't have to, like, make a food web for everything. right Um
1: Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> right.
0: But you also have to keep in mind, uh, boundaries. So, if you have a swamp, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the desert, why is that there? Right. Um, is it sudden? And how does that work? Um, if it is sudden, maybe there's a magical thing. Um if not maybe there's just an oasis that is exceptionally blessed with water and instead of like a nice pretty oasis you actually have like some scrubland that suddenly turns into morass Mm -hmm. and that's a source of fresh water Uh, but um ask yourself questions Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when deciding stuff you don't you don't have to answer them all but you know make sure you're asking yourself the questions
1: Mm -hmm. i know that it is primarily based on the campaign you want to run or at least i'm assuming it is (laughs) as far as what classes and what races you will allow players to be how do you go about determining that
0: um i do it to setting so I mean again, like I said, generally it's, campaign, per- but <laughs> it's fairly easy because if you are playing D and D, you can go with most of the D and D races. Um, but then of course these days you could be a Minotaur. We have the Minotaur right, stats. Exactly.
1: So how do you how do you put do a you cap want, on any of that?
0: <laughs> do you want to allow a minotaur? And that's what you have to decide as your world building or if you have a player who really wants to be a minotaur you have to sit and go, Okay can minotaurs fit into my world
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um and you don't want to say no necessarily right off the bat unless you have already gone through the process in your head well then you can explain to the player um no i like the idea maybe we can some come up with something close but minotaurs don't live here because hey guess what they're demon worshiping heathens that have long since lost their empire and you know the the cool i'm the only one of my kind Mm whose good thing works but like let's avoid that getting that deep into the tropes Mm -hmm. um so i kind of i have a basic list but i don't like say choose from this list if you have an idea let me know Mm -hmm. we can maybe work it out and then just work with a player who wants to do something different um sometimes you have to say no I know a lot of people don't like the whole no thing, and I understand it with the improv thing, but when you're doing something like that, you can't just be like... For example, if you're playing, like, in medieval England, which no one really would ever do... Right. um, And someone wants to be... Even if it's fantasy, if someone wants to be a kitsune or a kitsune, however you say it, Mm -hmm. um, you gotta be careful, because um if there's a fine line between fantasy and anything goes right um because sure it's fantasy there's weird things all the time but if you're an oriental demon spirit or potential demon spirit right people would probably kill you on sight. I mean...
1: I feel like that gets back to some of the... The realism. Yeah, exactly. Like, making it real for everybody. There's a lot of gray area, but
0: there's gotta be lines, too. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you just gotta be careful. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. there's always a list to start. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But mostly just dependent upon setting and how it works in your world.
0: Um, And big ones are, like, um, wizards. Are wizards there? if there's wizards there someone's teaching magic um there has to be someone teaching magic right uh, because it's a learned class um if you druids is another one you got to be careful of um i love allowing druids but you always have to work where they come from Mm -hmm. because of how heavily connected to nature they are there there has to be some kind of order uh monks are another one um i mean it's not hard to work these things in but if A big part of your campaign is that you want to visit a far-off land where martial arts have gotten to the point where I can, you you know, breathe fire or punch you and stop your heart. You can't just have a PC playing a monk. That's going to be a big Mm -hmm. set drop for your campaign. Mm -hmm. And having a PC play a monk kind of destroys it as a set drop. Mm -hmm. It makes it just part of the world.
1: Okay. Um, something DM wise, uh-huh. not necessarily for world building, but, uh, the rules as far as DM's guide and all of those things, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, how much do you have to memorize? And I know that this is something that comes over time, obviously, uh-huh. especially for like somebody like yourself who's done it so often, uh-huh. but what do you think the base is as far as if you're starting off from the beginning, um, to to kind of know, hands down.
0: Okay. None.
1: None. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm okay with this answer. But when, so, to caveat
0: <laughs> that, two ways. First of all, none. Um, because DMing, like world building, like everything you're doing, get ready to throw it all out the window. Um, That's so hard Because hard either do. you want to, <laughs> or the story calls for it, right, yeah, or a player I get all changes that. your mind for any reason. Mm-hmm it can all go out the window
1: improv oh Um, (laughs) literally
0: everything i have said for the past 30 minutes or so you don't have to listen to it all you can throw it out the window it might help you it might hurt you (laughs) Uh, it's all personal experience and what i've found Mm -hmm. and it's a ever-changing process in terms of rules specifically dming you have to know the basics um how's it is combat heavy is it not heavy Um, so D&D, do you know what an ability score is? Mm -hmm. Do you know what it does? Right. Do you know what the bonus does? Um, skills, do you know how skills work? Don't memorize the whole list of skills. You guys have listened to the podcast. I never know what skills are what. I mean, they've changed in every edition of D&D since I started playing.
1: And they're (laughs) different in
0: other games. Like, so have a list of skills. But know how they work. Like, and then if they suggest you use a skill for something doesn't mean you have to use it right throw it out um if a player makes a good argument to use a different skill for a good reason and you're okay with that do it um if the player wants to do something and use a skill but you think a different skill would be better call for the other one um and try not to let the player change his mind because using a different skill he wants to do that thing it's Cool if he does it, maybe it's not using the skill he hoped it would. Um
1: again, just... I know that that's more over time.
0: So before we were interrupted, we were talking about
1: something. <laughs> oh, uh rules. Yes.
0: Sorry, everybody. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and whether or not you need to memorize them. Yes. And my answer is none except basics. Did. Yeah, the very basics. Um because mostly as the DM, you will be answering the questions about the basic rules over and over and over again.
1: Right. And every
0: time you do, the less the more memorized they become. Mm-hmm. Um Which
1: is why I did say, you know, I know that this will happen over time. Yeah. But <laughs> But I
0: mean it happens really quickly. Like
1: I'm sure for the basic ones, absolutely.
0: Like, you will never... After you DM a couple sessions, you will never again ask me about bonus actions, attack of opportunities, (laughs) um, which Jack still continuously asks me about, which I understand there's been a lot of additions, but we're in 5th edition now. There are no attack of opportunities for entering space. Right. There are no attack of opportunities for, um, like, just moving in general. If you leave, you get one. If you try to cast a spell, you don't necessarily get one. I don't know. I don't even know. I look them up. Or I make a judgment call. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Depends how fast-paced we're trying to move right. and how important it is. Right. Um, marking pages is good, writing down page numbers. Um, DM screens help because mm-hmm. they always have the basics.
1: Yeah, I really Cheat can't cheats. wait to get one of those. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, what else? So, I mean, for rules. You kind of need to know them, you need to know how the system works, but you don't need to have all the rules memorized. You just, you, have, you figure it out, and the whole point is to have fun, so, mm-hmm. whatever works. I mm-hmm. mean, you either say yes or no, and if it's bound by some other rules, you'll look it up later and you establish a precedent.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: from now on, when you do this, this is how we do it. Yeah. Um, if it's centric to a PC, you make them remember.
1: Right. Which I've seen you do before.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm too busy remembering all the other rules and the other house rules I make up and the whole way the campaign's going. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how your one spell works in these situations for the reason we came up with that one
1: time. Mm -hmm.
0: That's your job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) The PCs do need some of their own jobs.
1: (laughs) Right. As far as for NPCs, when you're starting to build your city. Yes. How... How many do you really flush out? And I know that there are certain questions to ask, like something that um, another DM has mentioned before is, you know, like what are their goals, what do they want, what do they fear? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, And that's a good baseline, but how many NPCs do you really Um, flush out? So what
0: I tend to do, um, though it varies, and I probably need to do a little more work, but what I tend to do is... Um, who are the pcs guaranteed to encounter
1: blacksmith that kind of thing, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> no
0: campaign storyline who is coming to offer them a quest? okay, who are they gonna interact when they go this way? um if one of the players is a cleric, who's the head of his temple like who are they guaranteed to go to mm-hmm. um and then name them and fill out some of the information on them um mm-hmm. in notes or some way mm-hmm. um. So, like, in Asylum on Atlasan, he is, um, Braxis the Speaker, is the leader of Asylum and the Archean people, guaranteed to be met by the group because he invited them all to a, um, formal, semi-formal meeting mm-hmm. with various other, uh, adventuring groups, mm-hmm um for a specific reason involving one of the PCs. Um but that guaranteed who they were gonna meet. A couple of the other important NPCs who were at that meeting I flushed out. Um but I also flushed out um a rival adventuring party. Mm-hmm. Um but for them I gave them names and classes and attitudes. Okay. That's about it. Um then I make a big list of names. So in the campaign that we're playing um so Brave New Worlds for uh Luxara.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You have the Solari, you have the Lunari, and they share naming conventions, so I've one list for them. Then you have the Silvari. Mm-hmm. Then you have the um Stellari. So I have those three lists. Mm-hmm. And then I have another list for potential non-normal um people you might encounter i separate them male female Mm -hmm. and then i create a list of them Uh, the more likely they are to encounter those that race Mm -hmm. the longer the list of names right and then i have it printed out and then i can cross it off because it's used and make a little note as to who they are Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then add that to my more formal database and notes um as we flesh them out so like um I didn't know you guys were going to encounter him until I decided it was going to happen five minutes before it did. Mm-hmm. And... The three minutes before it happened, I decided there was going to be one survivor.
1: <laughs>
0: and then when it when you guys talked to him and he lived after the battle, I named him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I crossed him off and I wrote, Merchant they saved. Right. That was it.
1: Okay. Um.
0: So that name's been used. And... The more people you meet the more names you all have to cross off the list but like charlotte was someone that you like 90 percent would have met no matter eventually no matter mm-hmm. what happened so i had her names and stuff filled out right uh, donovan's group's names i had filled out i knew you guys were going to meet them um the bartender at that inn didn't choose his name ahead of time uh he could have been more or less important depending on your choices Mm -hmm. and can continue to be so but i assigned him a name when you decided to talk to him and asked what his name was because you guys don't always ask their names go find a uh, a blacksmith Mm -hmm. and pay for a sword you don't need to assign him a name unless someone says hi i am paladin mike of the (sighs) red hammer Nice to meet you. What's your name, Sir Blacksmith? I'd like to buy your sword.
1: Right. <laughs> um, they call me Tim. Because, <laughs> I mean, like,
0: if you go into the grocery store and you buy a bag of oranges, you don't ask the produce guy necessarily what his name is before you ask no. him where the oranges are. <laughs> I mean, you might be like, hey, uh, I'm Joan. You I mean, are... to be fair, but,
1: they have name tags. <laughs>
0: right? And in, in these days, we don't really care. But we can get our oranges anywhere back then, you might not yeah. be able to get your your blacksmithing done anywhere, so maybe you become a little more formal, but maybe you just want to buy a hammer, and a blacksmith probably sells a dozen hammers. Right. Not as important. He makes them, throws them to the pile, and mm-hmm. waits for them to be sold. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's how I figure that stuff out.
1: Okay. Those are the main questions I had, really, because okay. those are some of the things that Again, I think I'm getting too bogged down on, like, the big, and, like, yeah. hey, I could draw this whole universe. <laughs> not really necessary in any <laughs> way.
0: <laughs> I suggest...
1: And I did start with my city, and I'm building right. off of that, so... So we'll
0: going into your campaign now. Um, goodbye to all you folks who are not patrons.
1: Yeah, sorry. Um,
0: thanks for listening.